Hello and welcome. The Setting Apart podcast is a pit stop where you can get nourished, encouraged, and refreshed whenever you need a break. I am your host, IP, and every episode I get to share my stories, my outlook, my reflections on all things inspired through the lens of faith. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, relax, and chill. Hello, my SMP family. Welcome back. As I am preparing for this episode, Russia has launched an unprovoked invasion into Ukraine. Now, militarily speaking, Ukraine is no match to the Russian, right? She's a formidable force. And yet Ukraine is fighting off the invaders pretty much by themselves. Now, I don't know about you, but it sure sounds a lot like David versus Goliath to me. And I do not know how things are going to turn out. But some things are pretty certain. I mean, there will be many people displaced from that country. And there will be many casualties and deaths. So before we start, I invite you to observe a moment of silence. Pray for everyone and every soul who is afflicted in this extremely dark moment in time. As we embark into Tobit chapter 4 this episode, we are just about one-third of the way through the entire book of Tobit. So well done and keep it up. As I get into the book of Tobit, I find that um, it is pretty easy to read, unlike some of the books in the Bible. Uh, you know, I mean, some of them are really tough to get through, but not the book of Tobit. Um, the story is quite captivating and fascinating, I find. And if you're reading the book of Tobit for the first time, welcome to the club. This is my first time reading the entire book. And if you've done this before, uh, well, let's see if you can get new insights this time around. In chapter 3, we see that Tobit and Sarah, afflicted by their own sadness and grief, um, both pray to God at the same time, asking God to end their life, since they are in so much pain and misery. And God heard their prayers, not to grant them what they wished, but to send an angel, Raphael, to heal them instead. At the end of the day, God hears all our heartfelt and faith-filled prayers. So, if you are going through a very difficult time right now, if you are in pain and really, really suffering, you know, the last chapter is a good reminder not to give up, keep praying to God with humility and a clean conscience. He may not grant us what we want, but He might send us an angel our way instead. So don't give up. Keep praying. And if you need a prayer, feel free to drop me a note. Let's do this together. Now, before we get into chapter 4, I would like to make a clarification on the last episode. In particular, when I was illustrating about how Tobit's fidelity to God can be extremely challenging, especially when the majority of his kinsmen have fallen into idolatry. Anecdotally, I used the position of the pro-lifers and the pro-choices as an example. Now, when I heard the playback, however, it seems like I was suggesting that Catholics are predominantly pro-life, while Protestants are not. Let me be clear, that is not what I meant. If you've seen the YouTube version of the podcast with the subtitle, you can clearly see that it is not the case. 
From time to time, my post-production editing may alter my intended message. You see, in my effort to produce a high level of audio quality in an imperfect space that I'm recording in, I spent hours editing out unwanted noise for the podcast, especially noise that are in the middle of a spoken word or in the middle of a sentence, right? For example, like when cars pass by or dogs barking, people talking outside, or if I hear microphone clicking noise, noise from my table or chair when I moved or bang on them. And instead of re-recording it, I tried to edit out the noise as much as I could. But sometimes it's just cleaner to simply edit the affected word or the sentence out. And as a result, the underlying message may have been altered inadvertently, right? And so, and I try to correct them whenever I spot them. In any case, what I meant to illustrate Tobit's fidelity is this. Anecdotally, among Catholics, while the majority may be pro-life, but there are many others among Catholics who may not be. And the same goes to the evangelical Christians or Protestants, again, anecdotally. And this is the point I'm trying to make. Even among believers, regardless of whether you are a Catholic or Protestant, there will be opposing views on this, even within our own Christian denomination. And when you go up against the secular world, which is presumably predominantly pro-choice, then the pro-lifers are clearly the minority here. And this minority position reminds me of Tobit's predicament in the Bible, in that he represents the minority going up against the mainstream majority. There you have it. I hope that clarifies. Now, notice I use the words Protestants and Evangelicals interchangeably. Not sure if that is correct. If you know the difference, please feel free to leave me a note, and I thank you for that. Okay, let's move on to Tobit chapter 4. Let us begin with a brief opening prayer as we open our heart to the Word of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name, to listen attentively to you. As your word unfolds, it gives light. Even the simple understand. We pray that the Holy Spirit in our midst could guide us in opening our eyes, our ears, and our heart to be enlightened by your word. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Tobit chapter 4 That same day, Tobit remembered the money he had deposited in trust with Gabael at Rogers in Media. He thought to himself, Now that I've asked for death, why should I not call my son Tobiah and let him know about this money before I die? So he called his son Tobiah, and when he came, he said to him, Son, when I die, give me a decent burial. Honor your mother, and do not abandon her for as long as she lives. Do whatever pleases her, and do not grieve her spirit in any way. Remember, son, 
how she went through many dangers for you while you were in a womb. When she dies, bury her in the same grave with me. Through your day, son, keep the Lord in mind, and do not seek to sin or to transgress the commandments. Perform righteous deeds all the days of your life, and do not tread the paths of wickedness. For those who act with fidelity, all who practice righteousness will prosper in their affairs. Give alms from your possessions. Do not turn your face away from any of the poor, so that God's face will not be turned away from you. Give in proportion to what you have. If you have great wealth, give alms out of your abundance. If you have but little, do not be afraid to give alms even of that little. You will be storing up a goodly treasure for yourself against the day of adversity. For almsgiving delivers from death and keeps one from entering into darkness. Almsgiving is a worthy offering in the sight of the Most High for all who practice it. Be on your guard, son, against every kind of fornication and above all, marry a woman of your own ancestral family. Do not marry a foreign woman, one who is not of your father's tribe, because we are descendants of the prophets who were the first to speak the truth. Noah prophesied first, then Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our ancestors from the beginning of time. Son, remember that all of them took wives from among their own kindred and were blessed in their children, and that their posterity would inherit the land. Therefore, son, love your kindred. Do not act arrogantly toward any of them, the sons and daughters of your people, by refusing to take a wife for yourself from among them. For in arrogance there is ruin and great instability. In idleness there is loss and dire poverty. For idleness is the mother of famine. Do not keep with you overnight the wages of those who have worked for you, but pay them at once. If you serve God thus, you will receive your reward. Be on your guard, son, in everything you do. Be wise in all that you say and discipline yourself in all your conduct. Do to no one what you yourself hate. Do not drink wine till you become drunk or let drunkenness accompany you on your way. Give to the hungry some of your food and to the naked some of your clothing. Whatever you have left over, give away as alms, and do not let your eye begrudge the alms that you give. Pour out your wine and your bread on the grave of the righteous, but do not share them with sinners. Seek counsel from every wise person, and do not think lightly of any useful advice. At all times, bless the Lord your God, 
and ask him that all your paths may be straight and all your endeavors and plans may prosper. For no other nation possesses good counsel, but it is the Lord who gives all good things. Whomever the Lord chooses to raise is raised, and whomever the Lord chooses to cast down is cast down to the recesses of Hades. So now, son, keep in mind these my commandments and never let them to be erased from your heart. Now, I must tell you, son, that I have deposited in trust ten talents of silver with Gabael, the son of Gabri, at Rogers in Media. Do not fear, son, that we have lived in poverty. You will have great wealth if you fear God, avoid all sin, and do what is good before the Lord your God. For Tobit chapter 4, some call it the farewell discourse because Tobit had prayed for his death and before he dies, Tobit is passing down his last will and testament to his son, Tobiah. So that's the setting. Now, there are three takeaways for me that I like to share. First, it's about Tobit handing down the faith and tradition to Tobiah. In addition to telling his son about the silver Tobit has stashed away in media, the remaining discourse revolves showing Tobiah the way to righteous living. For example, honor your father and mother, be mindful of the Lord, and be righteous always. Almsgiving, and that's a big part because we see that from verses 7 to 11 and verse 16 and guard against sexual immorality, love your neighbor, be just and wise, be compassionate and sensible, honor the righteous, seek the wise, pray to the Lord always, trust in God, and do what is good before the Lord your God. Essentially, Tobit is handing down the tradition of the law and prophet to Tobiah. And if you think about it, this is how the Word of God has been handed down over the centuries, isn't it? By way of scripture and tradition. This is particularly so for early Christians before the New Testament was compiled. And it is as relevant as it is today. As it is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, the apostles handed down what they had received, that is, what they were taught, what they had witnessed, and what they had understood by tradition in conjunction with the scriptures. And so today, have you been handing down the Christian teaching and tradition to your children like Tobit? Parents, do not underestimate the role you play in your children's faith formation. At our parish, my wife and I, we get to train the primary three children how to proclaim the Word of God as readers in their first Holy Communion Mass, where the children are receiving the Eucharist for the very first time. Now, the training program is pretty intense, spanning over a 15-week period or so. 
And what we observed from our predecessor is because younger children tend to have shorter attention span, we need to work on them a little bit more so that the language of faith can fall naturally onto their lips. And what we have seen in the last several years is that the attendance rate has been extremely high, like almost perfect across the board. And this could not have been possible if not for the unwavering support from the parents. I mean, these parents would reschedule their children's enrichment classes, you know, ferry them to and from ballet or swimming lessons, diving courses, etc., so as not to miss our sessions. And some of the children cried because their parents were late in dropping them off to our sessions. What a gift. So the farewell discourse in Tobit chapter 4 reminds me of the role parents play and paraphrasing the words of St. Paul in handing down the tradition and what they've been taught in accordance with the scriptures to the children. And it's never too early to start. Second, almsgiving. The second takeaway I like to share is almsgiving. If you notice, about a third of the entire discourse is about almsgiving. Clearly, this carries a lot of weight in the overall message. So, why do you think Tobit regards almsgiving as protective? In episode 3, or Tobit chapter 2, I quoted CCC paragraph 2447, which states that the works of mercy or charitable action by which we come to the aid of our neighbor in his spiritual and bodily necessities. In other words, works of mercy are charitable deeds, and there are two types, the spiritual and the corporal works of mercy. What are they? Let me continue with CCC paragraph 2447, and I quote, Instructing, advising, consoling, Comforting are spiritual works of mercy, as are forgiving and bearing wrongs patiently. The corporal works of mercy consist especially in the feeding of the hungry, sheltering the homeless, clothing the naked, visiting the sick and imprisoned, and burying the dead. Let me pause here. We see that Tobit's charitable deeds in the previous chapters fall into the corporal works of mercy. And I continue, Among all these, giving alms to the poor is one of the chief witnesses to fraternal charity. It is also a work of justice pleasing to God. End of quote. Fraternal charity here refers to brotherly love, as in As you did this to one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it to me. We got that from Matthew 25, verse 40. Now, this echoes chapter 4, verse 7 precisely. Do not turn your face away from any of the poor, so that God's face will not be turned away from you. And Tobit 4, verse 8 says to give in proportion to what you have. This means we give from our substance and not from our surplus. You see, giving only from our surplus leads to nowhere. It is an action which has no power to transform either our values or our lives. Why? Because giving from our substance requires 
a sacrifice. And that sacrifice leads to conversion of mind and heart. And that is exactly how God gives. He gives the sacrificial gift of His only Son to us. It's not like God had 12 sons, so He could afford to give one away, right? No, no, no. God gave Himself through Jesus Christ, His only Son. Think about that for a moment. And Jesus gave His own life for us on the cross. He set an example for us of giving unconditionally and of sacrificing so that others might live. We walk in the footsteps of Christ when we give sacrificially a part of our substance so that others might live. The scriptures tell us that those who follow the example of Jesus will be the first fruits of the redemption. We see that from James 1, verse 18, and Revelation 14, verse 4. Now, if you look at Tobit chapter 4, verse 10, it kind of echoes Sirach or Ecclesiasticus chapter 3, verse 30, which states, Almsgiving expiates sins. And verse 11 parallels what we just read earlier, which is the CCC, Para 2447, where it is pleasing to God. In his sermon number 226, St. Augustine has this to say to the congregation on the Blessed Tobit, and I quote, See, my dearest, how great the merit of Almsdeed is. He earned the privilege of having an angel as a laborer. You see how beneficial it is to bury the dead? It made his offering ascend to the heavenly majesty through the angel Raphael. You see that alms delivers from death, and the same purges away sins." Unquote. Wow, how beautiful is that? Okay. Third, the eye of understanding. The third and perhaps the most profound takeaway I would like to share is the irony in chapter 4 of Tobit, as it is written in Isaiah 44, verse 18, and Mark chapter 8, verse 18. The irony is about having eyes and not see. This is spiritual blindness, the spiritual condition of having eyes but cannot see, which I alluded to in previous episodes, where I reflected on how Tobit was blinded in his pride. He failed to see the truth from his wife. The irony here is that, although blind, Tobit's perception of God is sharper than those not blind. That is, while Tobit is physically blind, yet he's teaching his son the way of God with perfect vision and perception. Saint Augustine made this connection in his homily number 13, and I quote, After all, even Tobit can be said to have had no eyes when, blind in the eyes of his body, he was giving his son the rules of life. Tobiah was holding his father's hand that he, the father, might walk with his feet. The father was giving his son advice that he, the son, might stay on the way of justice. 
Wow. Another beautifully articulated verse or homily or comments from our Saint Augustine. Let me continue his sermon. And I quote, In one case, I see physical eyes. In the other, I perceive eyes with my mind. And the eyes of the one giving advice about life are better eyes than those of the one holding the blind man's hands. Those were the eyes that Jesus was looking for when he said to Philip in John 14, verse 9, Am I with you for such a long time, and you do not know me? These were also the eyes that he was looking for when he said, Philip, the one who sees me, also sees the Father. These eyes are in the understanding. These eyes are in the mind. Unquote. Okay, cool. Now, if you were Tobiah and your father tells you for almsgiving delivers from death and keeps one from entering into darkness, could you be asking, hey, wait up, Dad. You have been giving alms all your life and look where it led you to. You are speaking to me out of your blindness. How can you advise me that almsgiving saves you from entering to darkness? I mean, if I were Tobiah, I would be wondering about that aloud, would you? Wouldn't you? Put it another way. How could Tobit give that advice to his son with such confidence when indeed Tobit became blind, seemingly from giving alms to the poor and all the works of mercy that we talked about and burying the dead. Well, according to St. Augustine, it is because although Tobit is now blind, he has been habitually been able to see another light, the light of understanding, the light of perception, and the light of faith. And he is still able to see the light even when he is physically blind. As Augustine puts it again, yet so eloquently, the son held his father's hand to help him walk, but the father taught his son the way that he might live. Through his faith in Yahweh, Tobit taught his son the way of the sight. And in that way, Tobit is truly blessed. As it is written in Matthew chapter 13, verse 16. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. These are the eyes Jesus wants us to have. The blind man sees, sadly, God's people often do not. And so today, do you have eyes and not see? How can we prepare our eyes to perceive the light of understanding? Something worth reflecting on. To conclude, let's quickly recap the three key takeaways for Tobit chapter 4. 1. Handing down the faith and tradition. The handing down the way of God from father to son 
can also be applied to handing down the faith and tradition of Jesus Christ from amongst believers, but also from believers to non-believers. After all, we are called to be priest, prophet, and king. And our mission is to share the good news of salvation to the ends of the earth. This is part of our call to evangelize, not just to unbelievers, but to believers as well. Second, almsgiving. If I may draw your attention to Tobit 4 verses 10 to 11 again, they pretty much summed up the essence of almsgiving very nicely. And here it goes. For almsgiving delivers from death and keeps one from entering into darkness. Almsgiving is a worthy offering in the sight of the Most High for all who practice it. And according to the CCC, paragraph 2447, giving alms to the poor is one of the chief witnesses to fraternal charity. It is also a work of justice pleasing to God. Third, the eye of understanding. Before we can understand, we must first learn the truth. Once we have a good understanding of God's revelation by humbly opening our heart to Christ, our understanding will then be the very foundation in which our faith can grow and prosper. Now, let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of Tobit. Please continue to guide us and open up our eyes so that we may see and understand the fullness of truth you have revealed to us so that we may pass on your spiritual legacy to our children and families. And may we lift up the blessings in Tobit chapter 4, verse 19. At all times, bless the Lord your God and ask Him, that all your paths may be straight and all your endeavors and plans may prosper. In Jesus' name, we pray. We pray for peace. We pray for the plight of Ukraine. And also, we pray for the leaders in Russia, that the eyes may be opened and be enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Let the light lift up the darkness, O Lord, in peace we pray, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Setting Apart podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and get notified so you won't miss any episode. And please feel free to give me your ratings and reviews so that others may get to listen as well. Thank you and God bless.